You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So, I just got done watching Winston Moss on Fox, and prior to that, I watched Winston Moss on Colin Coward. I am incredibly uncomfortable right now. I just... I, I couldn't even finish the Fox one. I just, all right, all right let's do the podcast. I, I, I can't do this anymore. He starts pulling the rings out of his pocket. Ugh. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I am really uncomfortable. That is the most embarrassing thing I have ever seen in my life. And it's not even, I don't know. I, I, I feel like some people are mad at him because of the things he said. And, you know, this is, I mean, that's just what happens. Somebody leaves Green Bay and says something that's not positive about the Packers or Rodgers or McCarthy or whoever, and he was mostly positive, but the instant guttural reaction from Packers fans, I think, is, he's a liar. He's a liar. He's, he's off the reservation. He's making, like, eh, I don't know, man. Neither do you. What, whatever. But that was really, really uncomfortable, and they need to stop booking him anywhere because i i'm about 99% sure he wanted this real bad he was loving it he thought he was the greatest orator ever <laughs> he really thought this was you know he was he thought he was funny he was working the room right you know he's saying no and then winking right like oh i'm a jokester right aaron rodgers has been uh, Head coach for a long time. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He brought props with his rings. You know, he wasn't letting Colin Coward get a word in or a question for that matter. He just wanted to, uh, you know. Wow. I, I, I really am not trying to be insulting, but I get the impression, at the very least, he doesn't really understand so social norms, maybe you could say, right? He's, he's not uh, not very self-aware. Also wonder if he's a bit of a drinker. I don't know. I don't know. Again, not trying to be rude, but it's just the way he was acting. Something's not right. And I, I, again, I'm not trying to be mean. The reason I say this is, and I've said this several times now, you hear things that happen with the Packers, and it's like, I cannot believe that wasn't already a thing. You see certain things that people say or certain things people do, and it's like, I have to wonder about the leadership. I have to wonder because I just assume, right? It's not that it's not that crazy to assume. You look at the players. The players are freaks. They're absolute freaks because there's only so many in the world, and it's the most qualified in the history of the world. These people are incredible, the things they can do, Aaron Rodgers and yada, yada, yada. There's a handful of people that can do in the entire universe the kinds of things that Aaron Rodgers can do. You look at, for example, the the private sector and some of these companies and, and you know, the Bill Gates of the world and, and certain people that just, their minds are just incredible. You look at art, not a big art guy, but you look what people can do and I just, 
It's like, you're not human. How do you do that? That doesn't even make sense. I don't know how your mind can be that powerful. And then you look at one of the few coaches in the NFL, Winston Moss, and you listen to him speak. And it's like, you you are the associate head coach of the Green Bay Packers? Ah. I mean, yeah, maybe he, you know, he wasn't hired to uh, come in and be, I don't know, the uh, media relations director. Maybe he's just got a very powerful football mind, and that's why he was there. But when they say they fired him because of a, it just wasn't a good fit, I could see, I could see him making people very uncomfortable. I can't imagine that man giving speeches to his defenses and talking to his defenses. What is he saying? And being a player and just looking at this, going, "What is this? What what is this team? What why? This is ridiculous." I just expect more. I guess I, I expect people that are just. You know, and and I'm sure if I if I sat down and listened to Winston Moss not talk about nonsense, but talk about football, this would maybe change my opinion overall of Winston Moss and of of NFL coaches and front office personnel and whatnot. But I don't know. I mean, there could be some nepotism. I mean, he was a former player, so he knew some people, and he slowly was able to work his way up. And I I don't know, man. I'm just I'm I'm embarrassed as a Packer fan watching that. I'm frustrated realizing I, 2006 he came out with Green Bay. 12 years? That guy? I mean, he seems nice enough. Again, probably, you know, great player, great coach as far as his knowledge, but how does he stay employed with the Packers in, in a leadership role? Yeah, bad fit. And I'm not even talking about the tweet. I don't, I, again, I, talk, I addressed the tweet. I don't really care about the tweet. He said the tweet was directed to the fans, and that's exactly what I said before he said it. It sounded like it was directed at us. He's talking about, we don't need the next offensive guru. Who's he talking to? He's talking to us. We're the ones saying we need an offensive guru. Nobody in in, in the Green Bay organization is talking about an offensive guru. We are saying that. He's talking to us. That's obvious. It's painfully obvious. But man, was that weird. Ugh. But you do feel that way a little bit with the Packers. I, I don't necessarily think nepotism is the right answer, but especially you look at guys like Mike McCarthy, and I think they're they're quick to give people opportunities that are hard workers and very, very slow to fire. They never wanted to let go of anybody unless they got promoted. And this has been kind of a, a knock on them for a long time. Why is Zook still here? Well, Zook is his buddy. He wanted to give him an opportunity, give him a promotion. He doesn't want to let him go. I really think this is a problem with the Packers. I'm, I'm starting to think this is a very serious problem. I'm not talking about everybody. I'm sure there's fantastic coaches, but you look at, for example, the, all these people that he just wanted to give opportunities to and promote from within and all this stuff, and you know, not all of them can be that great, but you know, Mike McCarthy's just a good guy. He was. He's, he was a nice person, and he cared about his coaches, right? He, he, he pushed some of his better coaches out the door. That, that was, that, that, that was, think about that. He promoted from within, and he tried to give his friends jobs. And I'm sure a lot of these people are very qualified. I don't mean to overly generalize. But think about this as an overall general philosophy. Like, if you were running this as though you were a CEO, you would never do this. He promoted from within and from without, whatever. But he gave people jobs. He liked to see them grow. And then if they ever became very, very good, he pushed them out the door. He wanted them to get opportunities. He wanted his guys to become head coaches. So if any of these guys that he just promoted 
you know, because he wanted to give them a shot. If any of them actually turned out to be pretty good, they were gone. What happens if they don't turn out to be pretty good? They stay in Green Bay. So all these guys, like, well, like Winston Moss, for example, that are, that are trying to become, you know, head coaches and are, are interviewing for all these different jobs and are getting shot down, imagine that. He must have interviewed poorly. What's, what, what's, what's his situation? He's staying in Green Bay. Nobody's going to hire this man. Nobody wants him. Green Bay refuses to let him go. Mike McCarthy refused to let him go. So he's staying there. Ron Zook, staying there. All these guys that have just... I mean, how many years of bad, you know, I don't know, corner play, safety play, linebacker play, defensive line play, whatever the, the, the issue is of just never producing... How long do we do we keep these guys around before it's like, you know what, man? This ain't working. And we can look at it and say, well, yeah, I mean, it's bad because the players are bad, but what, what exactly is the, what is the coach doing? How is he helping to elevate the players? I, I talk again about Fangio and how the guys just got better every year. Our guys don't get better. The linebackers, sure. Jake Ryan and Blake Martinez, both of those guys elevated. Awesome. So yeah, maybe we give Winston Moss a round of applause on that one. He was associate head coach slash linebackers coach. Which, by the way, what... what? I never really looked at this before, but how does this happen? The guy's a linebackers coach for the Saints. He comes over to Green Bay and he's a linebackers coach in 2006. He 2007, he gets promoted to linebackers coach slash associate head coach. How in one year do you go from to linebackers slash right-hand man of the coach. And maybe it was more of just like a learning opportunity, right? Your associate head coach, meaning you're basically like the coach's secretary. You're doing a lot of the grunt work for him. I don't know. But it's like the guy has been grooming for that head coaching job, or at least an offensive coordinator job, since 2007. The needle never moved once. Not defensive coordinator. Not, not, not even somewhere between linebacker and defensive coordinator's coach. The run game coordinator. I don't know. I, I I just I think that that whole process needs to be revamped, and um, if nothing else, that that should be another qualification. You know, and and it's it's not just Mike McCarthy, although it should have been, but there's there's other people, Ted Thompson, uh, Mark Murphy, whoever it is that had the hiring and firing through the years, and Ted Thompson I think was the same as Mark Mike McCarthy. These are two guys that are very. I don't know. I think it feels hands off. Ted Thompson was definitely hands-off. His, his job was the draft. He cared about the draft. He wanted to draft, and that was it. And Mike McCarthy's job was to, you know, do his best, coach the players that he was given, um, help to groom Aaron Rodgers and, and run a fantastic offense. And otherwise, it's just a kind of live-and-let-live thing. You know, him and Dom and Winston and Teddy T, we're just going to ride off into the sunset together, and we're going to ride this thing into the ground. And again, I'm not trying to be mean, but how else can I how else am I supposed to look at this as a Packers fan? This thing just got driven right into the ground because everybody was hands off. Nobody wanted to give this thing an oil change. The engine burned up. Come on. I, I was just looking at it with a friend of mine yesterday, looking at the Packers the Packers team through like twenty fifteen. The incredible amount of talent we had over for so many years. And we can we can talk all we want about, oh, and it, oh man, sorry, there's a lot of things flooding into my brain, and I'm not happy about it. 
not only did this thing get driven into the ground to the point where now we're just at an, an absolute lack of talent and we need we need some big drafts. I mean, it, it can be, look at the Saints, look at some of these teams, one good draft can just propel you. That's true. But we need a couple. More than likely, we're going to need a couple. And Gutekunst, he can't, he can't swing and miss. Our hit rate has to be a lot higher than everybody else's. And having more picks is definitely going to help. Picking higher would also help, but the Packers don't seem to want to let that happen, so whatever, we'll let that go. I guess instead of drafting 6th, we'll draft 16th. Fine. Cool. Thanks, guys. But let's forget about the last couple of years where Ted Thompson just rode this thing right into the right into the ground. Let's look back a little bit on these quote-unquote wasted years of Aaron Rodgers. Every year that this was just a dominant, dominant football team. And if, if you want, just type in Our Lads Packers. It'll, it'll bring you up the roster. You can go back and look at 2015, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10. Just, it just makes you salivate to look at the... the the offensive lines, the wide receivers, the defensive tackles, the cornerbacks, the safeties. Unbelievable talent. And you think, why couldn't we get over the hump? What is the problem? And you didn't, I didn't think about it as much at the time. It's like, yeah, we're good. There's a lot of good teams. We did our best, and, you know, we had a bad game. It's unfortunate, but it happens. And now you look at it through the context of the lens that I just put things through with these coaches. The Packers got there based on talent but they weren't ready. They got beat up and collapsed against the Seahawks. They collapsed against the Falcons. They collapsed, they collapsed, they collapsed, they collapsed, they collapsed. They were better than everybody for about four or five years at the start of the season. What did you hear? Power rankings. Number one, Green Bay Packers, and rightly so. They were thought to be the best because they were the best. Get into the playoffs, and they can't get it done. Coaches were not getting this thing done. The players didn't come out to play. In in, in, in in such big games, we're talking NFC Championship games, we're talking about playoff games. This team, with all this talent, can't get up and get ready to play. This team, even with talent on defense, can't find a way to get up and get ready to play. We got one Super Bowl out of that stretch of just dominant, de- dominant defenses and offenses. Dominant players. One. And again, I, I, I've, been say, I've been on the defense of the Packers on that one for a long time. Like, guys, yeah, I know, it would have been nice. We, we, we definitely could have gotten two or three or whatever. It could have happened for sure. But it's tough. It's tough to win a Super Bowl. We got one. It's less than it should be, but I'm not going to just sit here and say we should have got, like, five or whatever. I mean, you know, there's other teams. There's 31 other teams, man. It's, it's tough. But why such terrible collapses in the playoffs? And I'm not putting it on Rodgers. Right, we we've seen it. Right, you, you know, look what Rodgers did. He drove a comeback, and then never saw the ball again. Or he ran up this many points, and the defense gave up this many. It's it's not a Rodgers thing. It's a team thing. The team just didn't want to show up. Just getting beat up, getting brutalized. Where's the coaching? Where's the preparation? Where's the energy? Where's the excitement? Who's out there getting these guys all rah rahed up? Was Winston Moss giving the pep speech? Because it, they're, they're playing like it. They're playing like they just got a Winston Moss pep talk. Or a Mike McCarthy pep talk, for that matter. Well, I think it's like anything. <laughs> Go away. And Rodgers, Winston Moss is right. Rodgers isn't a rah-rah guy. Right? He's not Drew Brees. He's not Russell Wilson. He's not, you know, uh, Tom Brady. So who's doing it? Right now and forever, who's the guy? 
For a while, we had Mike Daniels. Mike Daniels decided to retire. He doesn't want to do it anymore. I don't know why. I don't know what happened. He seemed fired up at the beginning of the year. That, 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 that's what I'm saying, though, man. There's a funk somewhere. It's still in there. It's a cancer. I don't know if it's the coaches. I don't know if it's the players. I don't know if the coaches are infecting the players or the players are infecting the coaches. I don't know if it's the front office. I don't know if it's it's, it's the water boy that's just kind of a, you know, I don't know what he's doing, putting laxatives in the water. I, I don't know what's going on in Green Bay, but you look at other teams around the league and you see a, a little extra something, right? You, you see guys on the sideline getting fired up. Now, occasionally you see Packer fans get fired up, but usually it's people who get upset. But even that is kind of toned down. You know, nobody gets too upset. Aaron Rodgers threw a tablet like four years ago, and that's like the highlight reel of Packers fans throwing temper tantrums. That's about as bad as it gets. But where, where's, where's Aaron Rodgers running up and down the sideline? Or anybody? Who's doing that? Nobody. You score a touchdown, you high-five each other, you go sit down on the bench. That's it. And, it, you know... If you if you can do that, fine. But again, we're talking playoffs. We're talking big game stuff now. Who's going to get this team up and ready? You know why we got blown out? It's twofold. One, you got the Packers who seem to decline, and on the other side of the field, you got a team that's that's playing up to a higher standard because it's the playoffs. This is it. This is what the whole year has been about. This game right here. Same old garbage. We're just going to come out. We're going to run our plays. We're you know. We can't, we can't treat it like any other day. We're just going to come out and treat it like any other game. We've been hearing that from the Packers for, since forever. It's just sound like a nothing statement because it's just something you say, like we're just getting ready for next week, blah, blah, blah. But they, they played like it. They played like this was just some other game. They, that's exactly how they played. So this, this coaching overhaul needs to happen, and I'm talking overhaul because I don't know where, I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know where this this cancer is coming from, but I'm excited to cleanse this team. Hopefully it's not Aaron Rodgers, because he's not going anywhere. Uproot the coaches, get rid of a bunch of these players. We've got a lot of veterans that aren't going to be around anymore. No offense, guys, but good. We're starting fresh. We need a new energy. We need a new outlook. We need some intensity. I thought we were going to get it with Mike Pettin coming in. we got a couple guys that do it. Jair's got some intensity. Antonio Morrison has some intensity. Josh Jones has some intensity. There's a couple guys. I'm not going to get mad at Kenny Clark because whatever, he produces. But Kenny Clark is a pretty good embodiment of this team. Guy gets a sack and he's like, cool, man. And he goes back to work. Doesn't say anything. Doesn't, you know, he just goes out and dominates. And I feel like Kenny Clark is the gold standard for the Packers right now. The whole act like you've been there before kind of mentality. Which, generally, I like that. But I feel like it's kind of a problem in Green Bay. That was another thing Colin Coward talked about with Winston Moss, and it, it kind of got me thinking, like, yeah, wh- why don't we have that? Who is that guy? We don't have that guy. Aaron Rodgers refuses to be that guy. Mike McCarthy's definitely not that guy. And if, if you think about just think quarterbacks and coaches, all these guys can get jacked up. I'm not just talking about angry. Tell me you haven't seen Sean Payton get excited? You haven't seen Pete Carroll ever get excited? We all know Sean McVay gets excited. Okay, Andy Reid doesn't, but, you know, whatever. They got Pat Mahomes. Somebody on these teams is it can be a vocal leader. And whether that's rah-rah jumping around or, or a pep talk or whatever, they got this stuff. Packers don't have that. Again, Mike Daniels is the only person that comes to my mind that used to be that guy, and I don't think he's that guy anymore. Hopefully he can be it again next year. Maybe he was doing it all year. We just didn't have him mic'd up or 
any of that stuff anymore. But it used to be like seven, eight, nine times a year. You're you're hearing him, you're seeing him. He's popping off at the mouth. Now he's doing all these television. And by the way, can we put a, a moratorium on that? We got all these guys going out and doing stuff, and it just seems like I don't I don't see it anymore. All right, Mike Daniels has been on TV all year long, and he's off doing this not Comic Con, but whatever the the nerdy stuff that he likes to do over there. He's getting all these awards, and he's dressing up in costumes, and then he goes to NFL Network, and... Okay, so Mr. Animalistic Freak Defensive Tackle is now doing the media circuit, trying to play Mr. Hollywood. He has a down year, and then gets hurt and gets put on IR. Enough! Play football or get out. I'm serious. You've got a limited window to play football. You're getting paid a lot of money to be a very good football player. If you're not going to do it and you want to play Mr. Hollywood, go away. I'm, I'm just, I'm tired of Aaron Rodgers. Knock it off. Go do your commercials after your career. Play football. These guys start to develop personalities and then you got the rest of the world wants to reach out and they want to talk to you. Say no. I'm busy. I'm doing push-ups. Go away. I, I don't know. But all this really doesn't matter, because this is the problem, and I apparently discovered it too late as well, but um, it's getting dealt with, and hopefully the leadership recognizes the importance of this, if for no other reason than when it comes time for big games, we need somebody that's going to get this team prepared, not just on paper, but mentally and emotionally prepared. Can you Can you infuse some adrenaline into this team, Pulp Fiction style, for one game. Big game, right? Divisional game against the Bears, against the Vikings. A game that's going to get us into the playoffs. A game that's going to get us the number one seed in the playoffs. NFC Championship. Can you infuse just a little bit? Can you take it up to 105%? Can you get 105% out of your players for one game? Can you be a storyteller? Right, I, I don't. I don't think McCarthy and the rest of the Packers coaches were. I think they were very stoic intellectuals. Again, it just comes down to here's how we win. If you if you do your job, we win. That's great, but but again, think about the gym. Right? Why why do you have to listen to music? What's the point of that? Just push the weight. What are you getting all fired up for? What are you pacing back and forth for? What are you doing? Why is the music so loud? You're trying to push it above and beyond. You're trying to get into a mental space. And it does help. It does. Tell a story. Tell a lie. All these guys are listening to music before the game. Why? Because they're, they're erasing reality and putting themselves into a separate space where they're not human. They're animals. They're mean. They're dangerous. They're killers. Yeah, it's silly. A lot of these guys are grown men and dads and everything else. But it's the way that it is. They need that. And I think we need that from a coach as well. We need leadership. That kind of leadership. Not just strategery. Game planning. Not just a guy that's diligently doing 60, 70, 80 hours a week in his office drawing up plays. Watching film. That's important, but there's more to it than that. And beyond that, beyond just the rah-rah, this needs to be a production-based business. You produce or you're out. 
You're not getting hired for the sake of nepotism. I don't care if you're a former football player. I don't care if you played for me. You want to intern here? You can intern here. You want a job? You got to produce. And if you don't produce, you will get fired. It's a stone-cold business, but it needs to be. I want the best of the best of the best. If you're not the best, you're, I mean, look what we do with an NFL roster. Look, look what Gutekunst does all year long. At the bottom, he's constantly shuffling pieces. Look at all these guys that are out there that are up and coming. Why don't we reach out? Well, we already, we already got a quarterback's coach. Or, we, you know, we have already, even below that, we've already got guys. And then these guys slowly, no, 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 no. I'm looking for the best of the best of the best. If you hear a name that's really impressive rising up, for example, in the college ranks or whatever, go hire him and fire whoever it is over here that's not doing anything. I know that's cold, and it, you know that's that's talking from the standpoint of a fan. And I, I'm I'm not Mike or you know Mark Murphy, Mike McCarthy. I don't have to know these guys, and I don't have to to understand that these are people with families that have worked hard their whole life. I get all that, but only so many people can have these jobs, and we should have the best of the best. If we don't, somebody else will, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to let everybody else steal up all the talent while we just hold on to whoever we got because well, he's got kids. So does the other guy. Go hire the other guy. We're either trying to win or we're not. And it just felt like this was less about winning and more about just doing what's best for everybody. I, I, I genuinely believe this was, you know, Mike McCarthy was looking at this saying there's more important things than winning. You know, family's more important. And he's right. Family is more important. But that's not your business. That's not your job. That's not what you get paid to do. Your emphasis is on winning, and if you can strike a balance, fine, but do not strike a balance to the detriment of us winning. And if we have an entire staff of leftovers, guys that can't get hired elsewhere, you're failing as a head coach. It's not your job to provide jobs to your friends. It's not a charity. It's not a place where guys that can't get jobs can can feed their families. Well, if I let them go, nobody will hire them, and then they'll be out on the street. No, they'll get a job somewhere else. Probably a better paying job, to be completely honest. As low level as some of these guys are, and as, as, as lacking in talent in me, as many of them are, just let him go, man. Do, do him a favor. He's going to have to learn how to sell cars sooner than later. Let him go now. Let him learn. He's going to be doing it for the next 25 years. Give him a leg up. Give him an early start. Shake his hand. Send him off. Produce or go away. And I like that Brian Gutekunst seems to have that same mentality. And it's, it's, it's not just producing, it's also about the environment. Winston Moss, saying stuff you shouldn't be saying that's detrimental to this team, goodbye. You're hurting our chances to win with your toxic attitude, get out. Ha ha, Clinton Dix, you got an attitude, get out. It's not just about production. It's not just about play. It's the whole picture. You help us win as a whole with your actions, with your attitude, and with your play. And if you're not going to do those three things, you will be gone. Brian Gutekunst is doing the right thing. I just don't know my place here. You're right. That's a good point. Get out. Not going to tolerate that. And we shouldn't tolerate that. Cutthroat business. Good. Because everybody else is doing it. You know why the Patriots never lose? Because they couldn't care less about your family. You think Bill Belichick is hiring staff? Because they're his friends? You will produce for Bill Belichick as a player, as a coach, as a whoever, or you will be gone. And the majority of the NFL are that way. If we want to be the charity case for the NFL, we will lose. We need the best of the best of the best, and that starts today. 
looking for the best of the best of the best head coach that is available right now and to find the best coordinators, the best position coaches across the board. If the best of the best is on the staff, good, stay. If it's not, goodbye. But you're going to come in here and you're going to help this team. You're going to work hard. You're going to lead the team. You're going to motivate the team. You're going to develop this team. You're going to do it every day. And if you don't, you're going to go away. Because Gutekunst's job is on the line, too. Mark, Mike McCarthy's job. I mean, really, what, what are the odds that, that him getting fired has to... I mean, he, he's risking his own job by doing this kind of stuff. If he doesn't have good help, team doesn't produce, he gets himself fired. Granted, it was probably more Ted Thompson that got him fired than anything, with the lack of talent around him. But it was everything. It was everything. It was this strategy of treat people well, treat people with respect, which is great, and you should. But if that's up to and including don't fire anybody, even if they're not producing, eh, now you're, now you're running a pretty risky show here. So anyways, it'll be an interesting, uh, interesting few weeks, months, whatever. See what direction we go and, and how we can hopefully change the culture in, in, in more ways than one. You know, it's not just, again, looking, I think we think too simplistically. We need an offensive guru to come in here, which, again, is exactly what Winston Moss was addressing, to come in here and drop crazy plays, and um, then we'll have a crazy play offense, and then we'll be the Chiefs. Um, Okay, maybe. I think there's more to it than that, though. Which actually leads me to the other thing that I wanted to talk about, and that is the question of a defensive coordinator uh, for the Packers' head coaching job. And I think the main reason I wanted to talk about this, well, there's two reasons. First of all, I got the question from Kyle uh, directly, so I'm, I'm answering him directly. But I've, I've also been wanting to talk about it because I was kind of open to it, and then I thought about it, and I'm like, eh, that's probably a bad idea. We should probably stick with offense. But the more I think about it, I, I don't really know why. And really, it just comes down to what is the job of the head coach? I think we think of the head coach as either um, like a... <laughs> it's like you got your offensive coordinator and your defensive coordinator, and then the head coach comes in and is like a multiplier to either your offense or your defense, and that's just kind of how we view it, right? If he's an offensive coordinator or an offensive coach, he's going to be like the big offensive guy. If he's a defensive coordinator, he's just going to like level up your defense, you know, video game style. I think we need to recognize the head coaching job is a different job altogether. Now, Mike McCarthy did call the plays. That's entirely true. He did design the offense, and um, maybe offensive coordinator slash or type head coaches are a little bit more offensive coordinator-ish. But at the same time, you really only get one. You got one guy designing plays, one guy calling plays. And if it was Mike McCarthy, you kind of look at it and go, okay, what was Joe Philbin's job? Right? He's offensive coordinator, but he's, he's, he's more of a consultant. The head coach is much more of an administrative type job. He has a broad spectrum of things that he needs to do so, some of the things not even on the team he has to look outward I mean he, he's working with the the GM and he's working with uh, Mark Murphy and they have to have meetings and discuss the direction of the team and all this kinds of stuff you have to be involved with the offense and the defense and player development and you know developing practice schedules when are we going to practice when are we going to not and, and you come up with that based on meetings with guys who are crunching numbers about people who got hurt and you have to go do you know look at who got hurt and, and what's their status and what do we know about this and it's just there's so much stuff going on 
meeting with all the position coaches. Because again, you might be an offensive-minded head coach, but that doesn't mean you neglect your linebackers. That doesn't mean you neglect the special teams. You have to be involved in special teams, linebackers, cornerbacks, safeties, wide receivers, your, your, your offensive line. So let's just use the one example, because there are, there are examples of successful teams right now that have defensively-minded head coaches. For example, who is the best team over the last 20 or so years? Oh, probably the Patriots? Is that an offensive guy or a defensive guy? Exactly. He's a defensive head coach, but their offense is fine. Their defense is fine. I think another one of the better teams right now, and, and, and another team that has been good for about as long as... You, know, you, you look at like the, the, the biggest, best teams over the last 20-ish years. The Packers, the Patriots, the Steelers. Maybe the Saints you could throw in there. Look at the Steelers, though. Mike Tomlin, defensive guy. And how good is their offense? Why? Why why is their offense so good? I mean, their offense is better than their defense, but they got a defensive head coach. This doesn't make sense because we think too simplistically. He's the head coach. The head coach also has talented players, which factor into why your offense or defense is good or bad. You also have offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators. I know all the trends right now are about offensively-minded people, but I I almost wonder if... (sighs) Well, first of all, you just want the best guy for the job. I've talked about Vic Fangio, and I remember thinking at first glance, that's silly. We don't want Vic Fangio. But as I've said, when you look at the defense and look at, for example, the player development, that's something that needs to be strongly considered. A person who has taken a defense and is able to do that kind of a thing, I mean, that that's not just about that's that's different <laughs> that's that's different there's something different there that doesn't just happen maybe they drafted so well that every single person is one of those guys that maybe isn't great their first year but they're high upside they develop over time but that doesn't happen over the entirety of a defense every year taking a step getting better I think it's something that absolutely needs to be considered because we're looking at a head coach I'm not really looking at well what happens if you mind meld Vic Fangio with uh, with Mike Pettin. I don't know if that really works all that well. How does that work? I, I see that as a conflict. Not to say Vic Fangio can't help the defense. Of course he can. But it's going, to, assuming Mike Pettin even stays, it's going to be Mike Pettin's defense. He's the one that's going to be doing all that. But you'll have Vic Fangio in, in the meetings with him and all these kinds of things that could maybe help that out quite a bit or whatever whatever the case may be. But then the biggest thing is going to be the question about the offense. However... As many people have pointed out, Aaron Rodgers has a massive amount of pull on that offense, and it should be that way. Incredibly intelligent. He's also a very proud person. He's not going to let somebody be overly domineering anyways. So you get, for example, a Matt Nagy or whatever the case may be, and he comes in with an iron fist and says, this is our new offense. This is our new offensive system. This is how we're going to run it. These are the plays you're going to run. This and this and this and this. Listen, it's going to work with Trubisky because Trubisky's complete garbage. It's going to work with Goff because he's young. Right? He's, he's, he's learning. He's developing. He'll take the, the easy throws and the easy checkdowns and this and that and the other because it's making him look like a superstar when he's just not maybe quite as good as, as if he didn't have Sean McVay as his head coach. Aaron Rodgers isn't going to listen or be that receptive. I'm not saying we should get a defensive coordinator. I'm just saying we need to open up the book on that. Let's get a guy that can be a player developer. I don't know Vic Fangio very well as far as, I mean, I've, I've looked up his record. Uh, back when we were looking for a defensive coordinator, I, I looked at what he did for the 49ers. 
I mean, he was he was a defensive way back in the day, and he's done a lot of different stuff. He was uh, back in 1979 defensive coordinator and linebackers coach for Dunmore High School. <laughs> defensive coordinator in 1982 for Milford Academy. Defensive assistant for the Baltimore Stars in 1984. Linebacker coach, defensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, defensive coordinator for the Panthers, for the Colts, for the Texans. Baltimore Ravens, assistant to the head coach and defensive assistant for the Baltimore Ravens. Linebackers coach for the Baltimore Ravens. Defensive coordinator for Stanford, defensive coordinator for the 49ers, and now the Bears. So I'm not saying I want Vic Fangio, but I am impressed with what he's done with the defense. And yeah, a lot of it is talent, but... Let, let's just look at it real quick. Because you look at it and go, oh yeah, well that anybody could do it with that, that team. Okay, maybe. But I think if you take a snapshot of this defense with the players that are on it two years ago, and you look at the quote-unquote talent, you're looking at it and going, this is not a very good defense. The players became talented. 2015 is when he started. If you look at his first year, for example, at Adrian Amos, Adrian Amos was graded out as above average. right? Nothing all that special. Prince of Mukamura, who came over, what, last year? You look at what his entire body of work. I mean, you want to talk about getting better every year? In 2011, he was graded out almost as perfectly average. From 2012 to 2016, he was graded out as average. 2017 was the first year in his entire career he graded out as good. 2018, right, we're talking seven years, eight years into the league. He's graded as very good this year. Best year ever in his career. Why is that happening? You're going to tell me that that it's not Vic Fangio, that it's the players? Why did it take Prince of Mukamura eight years to become a good corner? Kyle Fuller in 2014 was complete trash. Horrible. Terrible grade. 2015, uh, Vic Fangio's first year, he jumped up into the good category. 2017, very good. 2018, elite. Third highest graded corner in the NFL. That's not Vic Fangio, at least a little bit. I think maybe a little bit it is. Look at Bryce Callahan, their slot guy. 2015, average. 2016, average. 2017, good. 2018, very good. The guys just keep getting better and better and better. And again, if you take a snapshot of 2015, Callahan's not very good. Fuller is not very good. Amukamuro, I don't even think was there yet, but he was pretty much trash. Adrian Amos was meh. Look at Akeem Hicks. Everybody just everybody recognizes how good he is. This guy's never been good before. He's the he's the number four ranked defensive tackle in the NFL right now. Yeah, maybe it helps that they got Khalil Mack, but this is a guy from 2012 to 2014 was average. 2015 to 2017, again, 2015 was the big jump. Three years of being average. 2015, all of a sudden he's good. 2016, he's he's good. 2017, good. We're talking high good. 2018, elite. Look at Eddie Goldman. He went from good to good to average to very good. It's all coming together this year. <laughs> you got to see Sherrick McManus. Guy doesn't have very many snaps this year, but he's graded out as elite. Only 100 and so snaps, but it graded out as elite. This guy from 2013-2010, he was graded out basically as elite also, but whatever. 2013-2016, to I'd be willing to bet there's not a worse corner in the NFL. 2017, he graded out as good. 2018, elite. Just, just in case somebody gets hurt, oh, we got this guy, by the way. No, it's not everybody. There, there's some guys that have been stagnating. I don't know if anybody's really getting worse. Aaron Lynch, Leonard Floyd, Sam Acho, a lot of these edge rushers aren't really turning the corner, which is why Khalil Mack was such a huge addition. 
But then you take that defense where guys just keep getting better and better and better, and you add guys like, oh, I don't know, Eddie Jackson, who's now currently the number one safety in the NFL. Eddie Jackson just tearing it up right now. And listen, he's a good football player, but look where he was drafted. And a lot of people are saying, yeah, I knew he was going to be good and this, that, or the other. Fine. But you have a fourth-round pick who in his rookie year graded out as average. In his second year, his sophomore year, under Vic Fangio's leadership, is the number one safety in the NFL. Now, if you want to take a jump, if, you, if you're going to be a good safety, fine. But this is something different. Whether it's, it's specifically player development, whether it's, it's putting your players in good positions to win, whatever it is, Vic Fangio has turned this into the best defense in the NFL, and it's not even close. Again, granted, that's because a lot of defenses just aren't very good this year, and they kind of stand alone. But this, this, they, they do stand alone. So the the idea, at least at least having the discussion, and I'm willing to have the discussion of getting a guy like Vic Fangio. It doesn't have to be him, but somebody because again, we're not looking for somebody to come in and be the offensive coordinator, right? You have an offensive coordinator for a reason, and especially with the Packers and the way they're lined up, why not get a very creative offensive coordinator to be the play caller? but also to be with Aaron. You don't need Aaron Rodgers and an offensive coordinator and an offensive head coach. I mean, that's just, there's too many people. Who's calling the plays? Is it Rodgers? Is it the offensive coordinator? Is it the head coach? All three. Half a one, a do- you know, a couple dozen of the other. I, I don't know. You have the head coach who is the leader, who sets the tone. That's what the head coach is. He makes the decisions, when we practice, how we practice, the intensity the, the direction, all these things, the development is on the head coach. The, the, the tone and the attitude and all these things, that's the head coach. And he delegates down to Mike Pettin and he delegates down to his new offensive coordinator. Now, if we do that, we're probably not going to get some of the bigger names because a lot of the bigger names are, you know, the, the, the college coaches are completely off the list. It's a long shot that they would even leave college and come to the NFL as a head coach anyways. They're definitely not coming over as an offensive coordinator, so we can dump that right off the bat. But there are a lot of people who maybe are offensive coordinators that would be willing to make a lateral move. There are also people that are less than offensive coordinator who would love to make that jump. And not only that, part of the reason you want to do it is because if you're an offensive coordinator behind a guy like Mike McCarthy, what chances do you have of doing anything? What can you put on your resume? I was offensive coordinator for the Packers. Oh, really? Wow. Did you call the plays? No. Did you design the playbook? Yeah, a little bit. What did you do over there? Well, I kind of helped Mike McCarthy, who ran the offense, is kind of what I did. Now, you come over to a team like this with Aaron Rodgers, who can make you look real good, and you basically control the offense, that looks pretty good on a resume. Because Vic Fangio isn't calling plays for the offense. So I think you look at offensive coordinators and less, and you, you can get some innovative people to come in and work with Aaron Rodgers. By the way, side note, Mike Zimmer, also defensive coordinator, defensive coach. Vikings aren't quite as good, but to say that you can't have a defensive coordinator as your head coach. And again, this is all recency stuff. All the new, cool, flashy teams are all offensive coordinator types. That doesn't mean you can't be a very good team with a defensive coordinator. Mike Zimmer goes to the Vikings, and all of a sudden this team is, is one of the best offenses and defenses in the NFL. I don't know what they are anymore. That was an absolute joke yesterday. Which, by the way, I don't, I don't want to segue completely. Out. I, I want to talk about it a little bit. Whatever. You, you kind of get my point with the coaching thing, right? The funny thing is, that's pretty much exactly what LaFleur and um, DeFilippo did. They went to teams with defensive coordinators, 
as head coaches to be the offensive coordinator and run the offense, and both of those offenses went right in the tank. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a risky proposition because when the offense fails, as it is in, on both of those teams, that's on you. You think, you think uh, Mike Vrabel and, and Zimmer are going to take responsibility for the offense falling apart? No, nah, man, you just got yourself fired because that's your job. That's on you, buddy. But no, you, you find somebody that's uh, young and innovative and all that stuff, and you bring them over as your offensive coordinator. They run the offense along with Aaron Rodgers, and there you go. Don't have to do it that way. We can get an offensive-minded head coach, try to become the Chiefs, hope we can you know, patch together some kind of a defense, and uh, just kind of continue on as we are. I don't know. But um, it's, it's kind of nice because it opens it up. I had kind of closed that book. That cuts a lot of our, our potentials in half. And um, you know, beyond that, with the rest of the NFL largely looking at offensive-minded people, I feel like that becomes um, a thinned-out market. Right? A lot of the offensive guys all got plucked. So everybody's looking around going, oh, man, there's no more good coaches. Well, there might not be very many good offensive coaches, but how many phenomenal defensive coaches are out there? Suddenly we're having a different discussion. And beyond that, one final note here, if for no other reason to hire Vic Fangio, it's because the Bears no longer have Vic Fangio. (laughs) That in and of itself is a reason to at least give him an interview, which the Bears would probably block, but whatever. The final thing I was wanted to touch on quickly is how crazy the NFL is. You know, we, we look at what the Bears did this past week, and it's like, oh man, the Bears are just elite. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But what are the Seahawks? Are the Seahawks elite? Is their defense elite? Because here, here's what we know if we jump to conclusions about, you know, a game or two. We know the Seahawks defense is back to being elite. We know the Vikings offense is complete trash. We know the Bears defense is elite. Maybe the Rams are a little overrated. Their offense probably isn't very good. We know the Raiders are better than the Steelers. The 49ers are better than the Broncos. The Packers, although better than the Falcons, are also worse than the Cardinals. Dolphins are better than the Patriots. The Giants somehow are better than the Bears because, you know, they beat the Bears recently. The Colts' offense is complete trash because they weren't able to score a single point on the Jaguars. The Cowboys are elite and the Saints are overrated. I think things right now are just goofy. I don't know what I know anymore. I can't say definitively the Saints and the Rams are just an unbeatable team because they just got beat by very beatable teams. I mean, we're seeing shutout. I mean, the Colts were, were on a tear. Their defense was looking good. They're, I mean, I know they had a lot of injuries. Zero points, though? The Jaguars won scoring six points? Again, Giants beat the Bears. This stuff is goofy, man. By the way, had we lost to the Falcons, we'd be in pretty good position right now for a really good draft pick. But whatever. So, yeah, I mean, it's... We're trying to draw a lot of conclusions, and I think if one of these things had happened in a vacuum, we could look at it and say, wow, maybe something, something is uh, kind of definitive here. I don't know anything anymore. I know nothing about what's going to happen. So from that standpoint, what I can say is if the Packers, by some miracle, do get into the playoffs, I have no reason to, to count them out. I have no reason to believe we're not going to beat the Bears. I mean, I have reasons, but the Giants did it. I didn't have very many reasons to believe the Bears were going to beat the Rams. They did. The Seahawks, Vikings, and I kind of figured the Seahawks would win because I think the Vikings are just not very good. been saying that for quite a while now. They, uh, they look terrible, especially with their really terrible new expensive quarterback. But I probably didn't really expect only seven points out of the Vikings, right? Raiders beat the Steelers. Again, I can go through it again. (laughs) Steelers, I I thought, were one of the better teams in the NFL. They're one of the few that has an offense and a defense 
Raiders beat them. With what? With, with what? How, how do they get 24 points on the Steelers? How does the Steelers, who have a good defense, allow 24 points? Who, who scored the points? Who was it? Who did that? I don't have a clue who could have done that. But whatever. Things are getting crazy right at the end of the season, and suddenly I think it's a matter of just get in. Find a way in, and you got a shot. Because I don't know. I, don't, I know nothing. Anybody can beat anybody. Maybe with the exception of the Patriots, who I know lost to the Dolphins, but that's that one team that just is always going to beat the Patriots, apparently. Dolphins in Miami, it's just one of those things. But everybody's just beating everybody. Nothing makes sense anymore. The Packers beating the Bears makes infinitely more sense than the Raiders beating the Steelers. That makes about as much sense and is about as likely as the Packers getting into the playoffs as it is. So, anyways, I'm just I'm having a hard time drawing a lot of conclusions from a lot of this because nothing, just nothing makes sense. This is such a weird, weird year right now. It seems as though a lot of the teams that started off real hot are starting to cool. That happens. Some teams that maybe didn't start off so hot are starting to heat up a little bit. You look at the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are a really solid-looking team. I think the Texans are starting to cool a little bit. I think the Vikings are just kind of floundering. I think the Colts are starting to cool off. The Bears, I'm not really sure what to think. I think their defense is maybe even make, taking it to another level, but that offense is cooling off real fast. It used to be this was a good defense with a, a pretty potent offense. That offense does not look good at all. Giants, I mean, they're not going to get into the playoffs, but are they a good football team? Kind of seems like it. They're beating a lot of people. Do we know the Saints are going to beat the Panthers? Do we know the Rams are going to beat the Eagles? I would have said yes not too long ago, especially with the Panthers. They haven't been winning very much as it is. I don't know anymore. I'd, I know nothing. So it's an interesting time in the NFL and uh, it's setting itself up perfectly for another Patriots Super Bowl victory as everybody else realizes, I don't know how to play football anymore and the Patriots just waltz into the Super Bowl and beat whoever comes limping in there. But anyways, that's enough for me. I am going to wrap it up. You folks enjoy your Tuesday. It's the worst day of the week. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.